and welcome to the She Hit Refresh podcast, a podcast for women age 30 and up who want to break free from routine and start a life of travel. My name is Seppi and I'll be your host. Thank you so much for listening. I know we have a lot of new listeners out there, so I'll just give you a little insight into who I am and a brief overview of how She Hit Refresh got started. So again, my name is Seppi and I'm originally from Houston, Texas. In 2015, I was living in Austin and I hit refresh on my comfortable life to leap into the unknown and move to Madrid, Spain. And it's been an incredible journey ever since. And along that journey, I had a lot of friends and family ask me a lot of questions. Everything from, was I afraid to make the leap? Was I too old to make this kind of change in life? How I did it and how I was making it work among many other questions. And so myself and my friend Annette, who had also hit refresh on her life by taking a sabbatical after working at her job for eight or nine years, we were discussing that there just weren't a lot of resources out there for women like us, women of a certain age who are making radical changes in their life, whether that was to move abroad or to travel long term. So we decided to create a Facebook group where we we could share information and really just helping our friends who were interested in hitting refresh themselves. Little did we know that that community that we started would turn into a community of over 4,000 women in one year, women all around the world. And that's how we started. From there, now we've grown to 5,000 women and we've expanded to a blog, this podcast, in-person events, and our annual retreat. So if this sounds like the community for you, we would love to have you join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash she hit refresh. And if you're interested in hitting refresh, but need some clarity on what to do, how to do that, what your options are, what your passions are, our annual retreat is the perfect trip for you. So this year was our inaugural retreat. We went in April this year and took 10 women to Morocco to help them gain clarity and get inspiration for their refresh. And since then, we have seen some really radical changes in their lives. And I want to just quickly read some of the testimonials that we got from the women who joined us this year. The retreat in Morocco was so transformational, being around a group of supportive, loving, and encouraging women who were like-minded and interested in personal growth. The group literally breathed life back into me. I felt able to write my goals and plan my future, whereas I'd felt so stuck before. And here's another one. I would definitely recommend this retreat. It literally changed the direction of my life. I met amazing women that will be my travel soul sisters for life. I visited a magical place that I would not have gone on my own, and the experience is unforgettable. It is worth every penny. And just one more. To the women that are considering a refresh, you will get so much perspective, inspiration, insight, and support from everyone involved. Being around inspiring like-minded women is a very powerful way to help you create a vision or simply plant seeds of a future vision. And it doesn't stop there. Through insightful and thought-provoking workshops, you can begin to make tangible steps towards your envisaged future in a supportive, compassionate, and inspiring environment. So I hope you consider joining us in Morocco. Our next retreat is March 7th through 13th, and we still have some spaces left. And again, this is a week for exploration, introspection, and inspiration, and most importantly, to gain clarity on your refresh. If you'd like more information, please visit our site at www.shehitrefresh.com forward slash retreats. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Today we have two fascinating women in their 60s who have taken control of the narrative of their life. Wanting to fulfill a dream and live a life they love, they took action and made it happen. 
both women still reside in North America, which means you don't need to move abroad to hit refresh. First up, we have Janice. She's from Vancouver and 62 years young. After a long career as a dental technician, she developed an allergy that caused her to leave her career and start anew. Come listen and find out how she went from dental technician to a communications specialist. And be sure to stay tuned to our second guest on the podcast. Her name is Peggy. Peggy's from the U.S., 63 years young, and she recently retired from a 39-year career in public health and started living life on the road as an RVer. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, Janice, thank you so much for joining me on the She Hit Refresh podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here and lovely to meet you. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. For our listeners out there, can you let them know a little bit about who you are, where you're from, where you are now, your age, and what you do? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So as you said, first name Janice, last name Tomich. Um, I was born in Vancouver, where I'm sitting right now. Um, So born here and um, living here. Apparently, that's very unicorn-like. There's not very many of us. And that's not to say I've been away, um, lived away a number of times. But um, yes, you know, here I am in Vancouver. Um, I have my own communications firm here in Vancouver. And that especially focuses on working with women on public speaking skills. Um, Something that's very important to me is that I want to have more and more women on public speaking stages. So that's a little bit of a nutshell of what my life looks like. Great. And then because we talk about age at She Hit Refresh, where are you? What level are you at in life? <laughs> I'm in my 60s. So 62 today in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be 63. Amazing. Congratulations. I always tell everybody, not everybody gets in their 60s, right? No, not everyone gets 62. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And 62, feeling really good, feeling very healthy and lots of energy and feeling really good. So there's the bonus. Incredible. Great. So I want to start, I mean, you said you work in communications now, but I want to go back to what you did before in your previous life. Can you tell us uh, what your life was like before you became a communication specialist? Mm-hmm. I've had a few um, different careers and um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about it this morning before I knew that um, I would be speaking to you this morning. And my first, um, although very brief, career. Um, I worked with my dad and my dad had a machine shop and um, he trained me to work on the lathe. So I was always very good with my hands, very good with the, you know, the spatial um, um, eye-hand coordination. And so I worked with my dad for about a year in, in the shop. Um, but then we thought it best that we kind of part ways, so, you know, that the relationship was a little bit too close, family close. And um, I decided that um, I wanted to work in a dental office. And um, it wasn't long um, before I found myself a position. And I had a career in dentistry for about 25 years. And I started off uh, working in the clinic, uh, working with a dentist, a number of dentists as an assistant. Um, I worked front desk and I worked managing. And then I ended up working in the lab. And that was the biggest part of my career, doing lab work um, in private practice. So yeah, quite um, you know, an interesting uh, a leap from you know working in a machine shop to working in a dental office. 
Yeah, that's a huge change. And I love hearing that uh, we had someone on the podcast. Uh, her name is Jenny. She runs a group called Digital Nomad Girls. And she did a PhD. Uh, she was a scientist. And she has now moved away from that and working in something completely different that's remote. But I love hearing these kind of stories because I think some women have in their mind that, you know, I've built these skills in one path and I don't know how to transfer those or they're not transferable to maybe a more location independent life. But you can totally take a different path and be successful in that. So I want to hear, how did you go from being a dental technician and working in a lab to helping women with public speaking? Um, well, not a choice of my own because I became allergic to the product that I was using to build these appliances. Um, so the, the acrylic um, product had quite, um, quite some issues around um, my own respiration, around some, some lung issues. So I needed to retire. I was forced to retire. But I had always been fascinated by the world of communication, um, marketing and communication, but more the communication side. And I watched myself within the, you know, the dental practice and all the positions that I had. I was always watching, you know, very, very keen studier of um, communication within um, a dentist to patient, assistant to patient, and the whole dynamics around that just found it absolutely fascinating. So here I was out, out of a stopped, you know, at my career, and what was I going to do? And so I decided to go back to university. And so that way I was in my late 40s then, and uh, off I went. So a couple of years at university and received um, a, a degree in professional communications. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. So then you were kind of forced out of this career you had built because you became ill, developed an allergy to the product you were using. During your career, did you ever have the idea that you wanted to do something else? Were you ever not happy with what you were doing or were you totally happy to continue down that path? No, um, you know, and I think it was, you know, that they say sometimes, you know, that illnesses are, are we cause them ourselves. And I often wonder about that because I was not probably the last five years, you know, that I was there. I was feeling frustrated and, um, and not that happy there. I, I always had this very entrepreneurial way of being myself. I came from a very entrepreneurial family and my husband at the time was running his own business. I, I felt frustrated in the job that, you know, there's many things that I wanted to do to move things forward, you know, within the lab, but um, was constrained and constricted from doing that. Um, yes, I would definitely say that was not that happy. And it was, it was really, it was a very good timing, you know, the way that things unfolded. Yeah, that's great. So then you had the opportunity to do something different. You decided to go back to school, which I love in your forties. Can you tell us um, about that experience of going back to university in your forties? Where did you see other students that were your age? Was everybody fresh out of high school? What was your experience like? Well, it was Seppi. It was the best time ever. <laughs> I had been wanting to go back um, and get a degree for a number of years. And uh, oh, I just loved it. I soaked up all of the information that was, uh, was thrown at us just like a sponge. And um, I went to uh, Royal Roads University here, which is just on Vancouver Island, um, just off of the coast of British Columbia here, a fantastic university. Uh, we were with our cohort um, for the whole degree program, so got to know the students very well. And it was such a mix. It was uh, students who had not long um, graduated out to, you know, mid-30s, and there were people, you know, my age and older 
Um, so a really great mix, which was fantastic because the experiences that we were learning, you know, from each other, um, you know, at different times of their life, it was just, it was absolutely brilliant. How cool is that? And then since you had always worked for someone else, what were your plans upon graduating? Once you got your degree, were you thinking of joining a firm, working for a company, or did you think, I'm going to do something on my own? I went into it with looking at eventually I was going to go out on my own. I had planned to be employed um, for a few years, but that was not to be. So it, I graduated in 2009. So I think as many of your listeners will remember, um, you know, in North America, we weren't really in great shape. We were in a deep recession here. Yeah, not no jobs to be had, especially. And so, you know, here in quotation marks, you know, here I am a new graduate going into a new field my cohort, you know, many of them younger, and they were often the first ones to get the jobs, right? And I was a little bit older. And so, you know, that that's what it looked like. So I was forced, you know, essentially to what was I going to do, you know, I needed to, to needed to make a living and put a roof over my head. And uh, so I, I set up my own shingle and away I went. Amazing. And how did you know what to do? How did you know where to start? Always. So when I began my degree program i and and many years before that i had an extreme fear of public speaking myself and i was bound and determined that by the time that i graduated that i was going to have a handle on it and that i was going to be a competent public speaker and part of the way that i did that was always volunteering if there was um someone in the group, you know, that needed to speak for the group, you know, by way of a group project. I just always volunteered for public speaking opportunities and watched what, what it was that people who were exquisite public speakers, you know, what it was that they were doing. So, you know, the framework or, you know, the delivery or the body language, I was, you know, a, a, um, a big student of what was going on. And also something that happened, a very good friend of mine um, who's, who lives in uh, Switzerland, works for a large corporation, and his position was um, had a lot to do with merger, mergers and acquisitions. And in our conversations, he would say to me, you know, Janice, he said, there's a huge opportunity for you to work with people on their public speaking skills. He says, what I see happen here is I have companies coming to me, you know, that want to be bought but their pitches are so, so weak and, um, you know, they're, you know, not great. And often what happens because of that is I will just send them away because I'm so disappointed in, in how they pitched me. And it's not that the company is not worthy. So they've lost an opportunity. Yes, that makes sense. I am a huge fan and also student of public speaking. I too had a fear. Um, I avoided public speaking all through high school and in college, I couldn't avoided anymore because we had to take a communications class that required three presentations that semester. And that's when I had to face my fear. And it changed my whole perception of what public speaking is. Um, and I too, when um, no one's really pitching me anything, but when I go to events and conferences and I see someone up there who doesn't have strong presentation skills, it's really hard for me to, to really take in what they have to say, to pay attention. And it really takes away from the message. I get bored. And so being able to communicate your message concisely and with confidence is, is key. Yeah, absolutely key. I have a question for you. Once you got a handle on the public speaking and you were able to do it um, comfortably and with confidence, how did you feel? What did it feel like? 
Oh, good question. Um, you know, it happened so gradually, you know, it wasn't like I just did a present one presentation and I thought, Oh, look at me. Look how far I've come. I guess I think I just noticed it over time that that fear wasn't there anymore. And it felt so easy. Right. Mm -hmm. And kind of like looking back, I thought that person that was so afraid of public speaking felt so distant to who I had become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I most enjoy now when I'm, when I'm out and about in public speaking, and it's almost a, an intangible feeling, you know, how do you, how do you describe it? This connection, you know, with others and this audience and um, during, and once you've finished giving a speech or a presentation, it's kind of, it's a high, right? You know, this really wonderful feeling, um, feeling so great and, um, confident, accomplished, all of those things. Definitely. No, I a hundred percent agree. When I, um, it is definitely a high when I know that I've kind of like hit out of the ballpark. I really connected with my audience. I saw them, they saw me. It really, you are on top of the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I love it. Okay. So what did your, um, friends and family, um, what do they think and feel along this journey of yours changing and shifting uh, your path? Were they supportive? Were they critical? Were they skeptical? Mm, I'd say for the most part, um, the most part um, supportive, my friends, um, but not my ex-husband. Um, so, you know, going back to school and starting up this new business, I was growing and evolving and changing into a different person, um, you know, which wasn't the person that... Uh, that my ex-husband had married and uh, so sadly you know it was a um, uh, dissolution of, of the marriage um, because of you know the extreme growth that I had undertaken along the way so he wasn't supportive but uh, friends and family were wow yeah I mean that's tough right when you're um, shedding your identity and changing that can be threatening for some people so I'm sorry to hear about that but hopefully it was for the best it was absolutely for the best. And it was, it was funny as you said that I almost giggled when you said sorry. Um, it wasn't long after that a colleague of mine that uh, when she learned um, that my um, ex-husband and I had separated ways, she sent me a letter saying, or an email saying congratulations, where I had received many other phone calls and emails saying so sorry. But she had actually, she'd actually nailed it, right? I felt, um, you know, things have been rough for a while. And, uh, you know, upon our separation, I felt like I had wings. I thought I was in a good place. Yeah. It's all about perspective, right? It is a congratulations because you chose yourself. You chose what you needed to live the life that you wanted to live, to be happy, to remove yeah. yourself from a situation that wasn't serving you anymore. So yes, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and how, can you tell us how did you build a business out of this new skill that you had? Because still you graduate with a degree, you... Mm -hmm didn't have professional experience in this new sector. How did you make something of this? Exactly. Um, naively. And, you know, that was a really good thing. And, you know, when I look back, that naivety was a wonderful gift because I thought, uh, I thought I knew a lot more than I knew, um, which I proved out over the years that I did not. One of the things that I look back on that I did very, very well is that, um, you know, any event that I could go to, any opportunity that I had to meet somebody, um, I did and, you know, spent a lot of energy there. And, um, you know, when I look back at my business, um, that's where most of, most of the growth happened. And a lot of those great relationships now are still intact. And, and that's one thing that I've been very, um, very focused on that, um, 
that I'm always keeping in touch, you know, with, with people that I have met, um, you know, that I don't let those relationships drop off. You know, I look back last year, I was sick um, for about six months and was able to run my business, but um, had to really put the marketing piece, you know, on the, on the side burner. And what wonderfully happened was the business just kept still rolling in. And I look back and the reason why is because of all of the energy that I have spent building relationships over the years. So a lot of um, the work that I receive comes to me, it's word of mouth. That's great. Yeah. Relationships is all about relationships, people. You may be tired of hearing that network, not networking in a smarmy way, but really nurturing Mm -hmm. those relationships that are in line with what you're doing or what you want to do does make a huge difference. I firsthandedly have uh, realized that later in life, people always told me about it, but I just never really was into I don't know, networking. It just was this businessy thing that didn't sit well with me. Um, and moving to Madrid, everything here has been about community relationships and it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the networking, you know, it has a bad rap. It's got a, you know, has an ugly label on it. So I think for us that want, you know, to build our businesses that we have to look at this as a different way. Just as you said, it's, you know, it's purely about, you know, meeting people and uh, seeing who you click with and building relationships. Yep. Connecting. So along this path of building your business, obviously, or I'm assuming that, you know, there were times when you were scared, you were nervous, exhilarated. What was, uh, what was going through your mind as you were building your, your business? Oh, all of that, you know, so the life of an entrepreneur, right? Um, you know, one day you're, you know, at the, the top of the hill and then, you know, the next day you're at the bottom of the valley. You know, I think it takes a special type of person, you know, to do the work that we do. And, you know, just with this focus on the really big picture of, you know, what it is that you want to achieve um, for yourself personally and and in your business and keep driving it forward. Um, And we touched on this before, you know, it um, also is so helpful is the support, you know, the people that you have around you as well. So when you're having those moments of doubt um, that you can, you know, um, share with them and talk it over with them and hopefully they're encouraging you and to propel forward. Fantastic. And so, oh, I forgot to ask. So how, what, what was your age when you started your business? Um, so I would have been, let's see, I would have graduated. I would have been 51. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been in business for 10 years now. Love it. Ladies, did you hear that? 51. So everyone in their 30s and 40s that are scared to pivot, you can do it. You can do it at any age. It is possible. You just have to have a game plan and put that into action and you can make some really big changes in your life. Yes. And I think, Seppi, that, you know, the key is you have to really want it. And those are really easy words to say, but you do. And behind all of that, so as you know, you know, um, building what you're building, there's lots of hard work entailed. You know, when we look at other people's businesses from the outside or, you know, what they're, you know, sharing with us and telling us, telling us, you know, it looks so wonderful, right? It looks all easy and pie in the sky. It's not. It's, it, it is hard work. Definitely. No, that's so true. I completely agree. You have to want it or else you're not going to put in the hours that it takes to be successful and to make it happen. Otherwise, it's going to feel like a chore. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I want to talk about, I know, a topic that's important to you about ageism. And that is um, something that I've seen in the group that has come up, especially when people are looking for work or even wanting to pivot. Can you talk a little bit about that and your approach to managing it? Yep. Um, for me, you know, it's, it's around mindset. And, you know, and this goes back to what we were just talking about, about having to really want it. For me, it's putting blinders on. And, you know, so again, perhaps this sounds naive, but just doing just moving forward and doing what I want to do. 
and you know sometimes it's not the way that I think it's going to be and I have to you know change my methodology around what that looks like but you know for me that's the way you know at 52 and now at 62 that I have been able to grow build and build you know a successful build business really you know with blinders on yeah, that's great because I mean, ageism is real. It exists, but that's not going to prevent anyone from, you know, making their dreams come true. You just have to maybe move away from things, from people and things that aren't serving you and not in alignment and find your people because there are a lot of women out there who are starting businesses and I do air quotes later in life that are serving an audience that is looking for that type of person. And so you just have to find your people. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, I look at the clients that I work with and, and they look at me, you know, to to be coming to the table with them around, you know, that I've had, you know, life experience, um, build, you know, business experience, building my own business for the past 10 years. So as you said, you know, they're looking for a certain type of person um, to be working with. The other piece that I would add to that is around health. Um, it's, so you hear me, you know, I, I, and I hope that it comes across that um, I have a lot of energy and, um, you know, I feel good and I have a lot of energy and top of mind always for me that I'm taking care of my health so, so that I'm feeling good. And I would say, you know, at, at 62, when I look at some of my colleagues that are the same age, there's something quite very different um, be- between the two of us, you know, between, between you know, each other that, um, you know, I see some people where the age really shows and they're letting the, they're letting themselves being pulled down by it. Um, but I guess I'm too stubborn and uh, I won't allow it to happen. Yes. And you're living a life that you're really happy in. I think that makes a difference too. You don't have that heaviness of being in a place that you don't want to be in life. Yes. Yeah. I'd agree with that too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm carving out the life that I, that I want for myself. Amazing. And through this journey of carving out um, your new path, have you had any doubts about your decisions? Has it ever been really hard? Or have you ever thought, what am I doing with my life? Um, That I would say no. But what I will say is that, you know, as with life, you know, business is the same, wherein that it, it, it evolves and changes. And that's where I'm finding, I've been finding myself having itchy feet this past couple of years. And so I've been moving my business in, in, um, in another direction. And uh, what that looks like is I've been working with um, many more clients online, um, whereas before it was um, mostly face-to-face here in Vancouver. Um, and the other thing that I've been doing is um, uh, running uh, retreat type, type of workshops. So yeah, so you know, my, the business is, is evolving and changing. And what advice would you give to any women out there who are thinking of making a pivot or doing something later in life, but feel like, you know, I'm too old to start something new, or I'm afraid to make that leap? What would you tell them? It goes back to what we were saying, Seth P, that um, you you have to really know what it is um, and then have that commitment to it. Um, and then what it looks like, you've got to be op- open-hearted and op- open-minded and always be on the watch for um, the opportunities that are, lay- that are out there, right? They're right at our feet um, and they're ready for us to, uh, to, to grab and take advantage of it, but um, we've got to be open to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is key. That is key. All right. And as we wrap up here, I'd love to hear how hitting refresh has changed you and what you've learned about yourself. Mm. Oh, um, <laughs> if I would have looked back at my, if I would have at 25, 
um, had the magic ball, you know, magic, uh, the magic globe, and uh, and out before me would have been, you know, would have shown me this life that I have now in my 60s, I would have never believed it. Because I think I would have thought, you know, that I would have had the traditional life, you know, with, uh, with grandkids and, you know, and, and all of that, um, you know, because I had been employed for so many years. Yeah, so here I am, this very independent person, you know, carving out the type of life and the world that I want it to have. And um, I feel very grateful and very blessed for that. Amazing. For anyone who's interested in connecting with you, learning more about you, or hiring to help them with uh, presentations and public speaking, where can they find you? So you can find me um, on my website, and um, I'll spell it out for you because um, just just like you, um, you know, the spelling is a little different. So my name, my first name is Janice. I'm an ICE Janice, so J A N I C E. Last name Tomich, T O M I C H, and I'm a dot com. Perfect. And I'm going to add that in the show notes. So everybody can go there and click on the links to find Janice. Janice, thank you so much for your time, sharing your story with us and helping to inspire many more women out there. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And next up is Peggy. Peggy, thank you so much for joining me on the She Hit Refresh podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to share your story. If you could let the listeners know uh, where you're from, where you live, what you do, and your age. Well, I'm a fifth-generation Michigander from the state of Michigan. I am 63 years old, recently retired after 39 years of public health. Wow. Love it. Yes. I love this because we haven't had that many women who are retired and hitting refresh on the podcast. So I'm really excited to share your story. And also, as we'll find out as we listen, not every refresh has to be with, you know, uh, uprooting your life and moving abroad. You've refreshed in an adventurous way, but a different way than moving abroad. So I definitely want to share your story. So before we move into your current life, can you tell us a bit about your previous life, your work in public health and uh, your life before you hit refresh? I have a bachelor's of science degree in what's called environmental health. I started working way back in the early 80s for local health departments. I have been a public health, what we'll call law enforcement if you want to, person all my life. So I dealt with restaurant inspections, well inspections, septic inspections, swimming pools, daycare centers, mobile home parks, the list goes on and on, dealing with emerging issues such as emerging diseases from Lyme disease to, you know, pick so many of them going on. Currently, you know, water quality issues are in the state as well as around the country. So it's a, what I've always termed a Jekyll and Hyde profession because you have to be an enforcement official so much of the time, but not bring that home as being an enforcement official at home. I worked in every quadrangle, let's call it, of the state of Michigan, from the metro Detroit area in, in highly urban, all the way to the upper peninsula of the state of Michigan, which is extremely rural, extremely wooded, extremely wonderful. And I'm currently down in the Southwest, which is, you know, a gorgeous part of the state right off of Lake Michigan. I have two daughters who are both 
um, adults and have their own families and homes. I have three grandchildren currently and expecting the fourth in January. Congrats. Wonderful. And so you had a 39-year-long career, which is amazing. Uh, I just have to ask because a lot of people jump around companies right now. Were you with one company for the majority of that time or one organization, or were you working for different organizations throughout your career? Well, I'm a government employee. So I work for local health departments on a county or district health department level. So one health department was Metro Detroit which is very urban. The other couple health departments were in the Upper Peninsula. And then the last one was more of an agribusiness. The Southwest section of Michigan is our agribusiness part of the state. And um, it's fairly rural, but it's rural in an agribusiness, not in a North Woods like the UP is. So there were technically four different departments. And then intermittently spaced through all of that, I did a lot of... uh, private consulting. Got it. And through your 39-year career, were you ever interested in hitting refresh, changing things up, or were you happily working along until you retired? Um, My desire to refresh goes back to my senior year of college, and I will say that was 1979, when a prof in a geology course talked to us about glacier and the Grand Tetons. And I had always wanted to do that. But getting a career, you know, when you go to college, you start your career because that's what you're supposed to do. Then you have children. And I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home for five years. So I did have that opportunity. But there's this whole preconceived notion that, well, why did you go to college if you're not going to be a professional? But never once during any of those 39 years did I ever lose sight of wanting to reach out and go beyond the state of Michigan. I've spent all my vacations here. It wasn't until my children were in middle school before we ever vacationed outside of the state. But when you own land in the state of Michigan, when you love the state, when you love what you can do to fish, to berry pick, to just hike in the woods, you don't really see a need to go somewhere else. But as you age and you realize that time is short and there's some beautiful places to see all over the country, I found the desire for many reasons to then say, you know, if I'm going to see Glacier, I better go before the glacier melts. Oh, wow. Wow. And then so you started your life of adventure on the road after you retired. Can you let us know um, how old were you when you retired? Well, I retired, I made the final conscious decision to retire when I saw 62 looming on the horizon, and I knew I would have at least access to some Social Security. I know it seems sort of odd to say this, but after 39 years in in public service, I have no pension, and I have no health care coverage. So um, I was able then to, to evaluate where I was in my life realized that I can get by with a lot less than I ever thought I could. And thank goodness for the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. I've been able to buy into that for a limited amount. Of course, I'm poor on Social Security. That helps, which has allowed me to fund my access to care, health care, which is, of course, everybody's biggest concern at 62 or 63. But what really pushed me over the edge When I finally said I'm going to retire early, I could have worked. I could have worked to 65, 66 when I got full benefits. 
all sorts of reasons to wait for, for healthcare coverage and increased Social Security. But I sat down one day, I have a lot of loss. Both of my parents are gone, my dad when I was a child. My baby sister died 12 years ago. And then in 2016 through October of 2016 and June of 2017, I lost, sorry. It's okay. My brother and sister and my brother-in-law. Wow. So I sat down and I added them up. And of all five of my immediate family that have passed, out of seven of us, the average age was 66. So when you reach 62 and you realize that your family is all gone and they're, you know, before they turn 70, I wasn't going to sit and wait. Wow. I wasn't going to wait. So I decided at that point that uh, at 62, I could collect my basic Social Security. The, as I said, the Affordable Air Care Act was available. So I knew I could fund that based on savings. I had, in the last 10 years of my last job, put as much money away as I physically could to make sure I had something in the bank. And then I knew I wanted to travel um, via my own transportation. And an RV had always been something I had thought about. Even my daughters, you know, have said they've known this about me forever. Mom wants to travel the world in an RV. So um, I started you know, what everybody does these days, since we all have access to the whole world, our thumbs and our phones and our computers, Googling and Facebooking and and searching and finding different kinds of RVs. And I narrowed it down because I knew I wanted to be able to park it. And I decided on what's called a class B RV. It's a van, basically. And then started, you know, Facebook searching and came across two or three groups kept looking at the groups, lurked in them for six months to a year, but fell into this group called Travado Owners and Wannabes. Yay, T Nation. They have grown quadrupled in size since I joined. But I lurked there long enough. I felt comfortable with who they were. I liked what they were saying. I knew they were T Nation, their family. And I became more vocal in the group and became more, you know, participatory. And then my rig, the one I purchased, came up for sale by one of the members. And I immediately texted him or messaged him and said, you know, Graham, how much? What do you take? And I'll fly there to get it. So I, we made the deal that I felt was good for both of us. I flew to Delaware, picked it up, sight unseen, and drove it home. And I had never driven those rigs before that point when people say to me how can you feel safe how can you feel comfortable how can you go about jumping in your rig and traveling out west or i'm getting ready to go to georgia or wherever i'm going to be and i say only because i have the whole teen nation behind me i know based on things that have occurred in that group that if i ever need help i will have somebody show up and knock on my door to help me out i I just know that'll happen so that's my community. That's my family. We have meetups. We have group events. There are so many women who have refreshed through the T Nation. And hopefully those women, and they know who they are, will listen to this podcast and you will get some more members because there are a lot of us who have refreshed who have become T Nation members who are traveling and doing what I'm doing that are single women. 
Wow. Peggy, I just, I am loving this story. So many things I want to touch on that you said. One, thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us. I'm so sorry for all the loss that you've had. Um, you know, I know my own life and refreshers that I've talked to lost, losing loved ones that are close to us are a huge catalyst and making that leap to, to hit refresh. You know, we all have this really, really personal connection in knowing that life is short. It's not just something intellectual and we know it. We've lost people that have, have left us too early. And so, uh, thank you for sharing that, uh, with us. Also, I love what you said about community. Um, I love that you found, you know, courage in the community to really make that leap. And like you said, you know that no matter what happens, your community has your back and that gives you uh, comfort yes. that you can do this. Oh, yeah. They're a great group of people. Um, yeah. I, I chat with somebody in that group every day just knowing, uh, you know, I'm now on, there's a separate group that's uh that's uh, called the Winnie Bees because our our rigs are Winnebago manufactured Promaster vans and we have a group called the Winnie Bees and I'm now currently the VP at large of the Winnie Bees so it is uh quite a leap uh into the group for sure love it and wait can you remind me I'm not sure if I caught that did you know that you wanted to purchase an RV and travel the US um, before yeah. you retired or that was something you thought about after you retired no it's something I wanted to do my whole life okay it's always been in the back of my mind that there's so much more to see outside of the state of Michigan even though you know I love Michigan but I wanted to see more and I took a few small trips with my best friend from college bucket list that we call it we're working on our bucket lists together so we did every you know 18 months to three years we would do little trips together and that's only happened like in the last 15 years so we started seeing things like you know i finally got to the grand canyon in vegas and you know mount rushmore and in new orleans with sue and her and i are traveling to europe in april she's my travel buddy but I always knew there were so many parts. I mean, you could drive forever in this country and never see one-fifth of what there is to see. I mean, you could spend two years in Utah alone just trying to see everything. Mm -hmm. So I always knew I wanted to travel and see. The, I'm, a, I'm an environmentalist, and my specialty is land, planning, and management. So there's so much geological, geographical, uh, different environments that I want to see that the only way you're going to get there is easily and cheaply is to bring your own lodging and then i don't have to worry about any other critters that might be in any of the places i want to stay <laughs> so i always knew i wanted an rv it wasn't until i started researching on facebook that i realized that what fit me was a class b rv a lot of people don't get that because they are small it's living in a van a nice van a pretty van with a lot of amenities, bathrooms and showers and kitchens and fridges and you know anything you could possibly want in a house just in you know 50 square feet. But as we say, we don't live in our vans, we live outside of our vans. Got it. And that was what I was gonna ask also, is that you're not living in it full time. You, you have a house somewhere that you're living in and then you take the RV out or what is your setup? No, I live in my van first full time. Oh my That's gosh, what... amazing. Are you in the van right now? Where are you? <laughs> well, I would be out in the van right now, and I could. We could take a walk out there. Um, I've had some mechanical problems, 
which, you know, just everybody says, oh, I says, yeah, but I don't pay property taxes. So I, I consider it an even score. So I'm, and I also have family commitments. You know, I love my grandchildren. I've been a Girl Scout leader for 25 years. I'm a Girl Scout trainer. So I owed my troops some of my time. So currently I'm in Southwest Michigan um, meeting what I'm going to call family obligations that I want to be part of. I am still married. I've been married for 40 years. We have divergent ideas of what to do in life and, and mine is to travel and his is not. So he is on a mini vacation. He went to Florida to spend two weeks at his brother's, his, his vacation highlight. So I'm sort of hanging out in his apartment while my van is getting fixed. So, God. right. But even when I'm parked, like at either of my daughters, and I can park there all I want. I also have family property in the Upper Peninsula, which is way back in the woods, and that I can stay there as much as I want. Even when I'm in those locations and there is lodging, homes or cabins to stay in, I never do. I stay in my rig because mm-hmm. it's my home. Yeah, it's home. my bed. It's my bathroom. That makes complete sense. And can I just uh, shout out there to you? Way to go. I love how you're living your life. Your husband wants to do, he doesn't want to go on the travels and you're not letting that stop you. So way to go for making your dreams come true. You don't need to wait for anybody to do that. Thanks for letting us know. So quick question. I have a few questions. One is, cause you said you're going to come to Europe. Are you going to be doing an RV trip through Europe? No, um, I wish. I would love to. I know a few people who have. No, my girlfriend, Sue, has health issues that precludes her from traveling hard. (laughs) So we tend to do smooth trips. So we're doing a riverboat cruise from Amsterdam to Basel, Switzerland. So that way, you know, if she doesn't have the energy to get up and go for, you know, touristy things, I can take off and she'll be fine sitting on the boat staring at the water. We, we travel well together. That's cute. I love that you have your travel buddy. And so how, because you're retired and you're traveling, how do you spend your days? Tell us a little bit about what, what a typical, if there is a typical day, looks like for you. Well, it depends on where I'm going and what I'm doing. You know, when I'm on the road, it, um, I do a lot of what's called boondocking. If you're familiar with the term, it's, it's, there's a lot of, availability, especially west of the Mississippi, of open federally owned uh, BLM land, Bureau of Land Management land, that allows you to park for 14 days, depending on the site, um, for free. Now there's no amenities, there's no bathrooms, there's no hookups, there's nothing that you can operate with, but our rigs, our class B rigs, my rig's fully equipped. I've got 200 watts of solar. I've got an onboard generator and I've got onboard propane. So I can sit for two weeks anywhere and, and not feel phased. But most of the time it's, it's, it's going, traveling from place to place. So I look where I want to go. Where do I want to see? What's the weather going to be like? Am I facing any storms? So there's no plan. Every morning I wake up and it's either, oh, I'm going to stay where I am because I need to finish a project I'm working on or, oh, I packed it all up and eh, let's go up to Lake Powell today or let's go to Vegas today or let's drive into New Mexico, which is what I spent last winter doing. This winter, I'm going to be in the Georgia or Southeast United States. I am volunteering at an Army Corps of Engineers 
uh, campground. The campground's closed, but I'm doing some program development and, and facilities improvements. So I'll be there for three months parked, but I only work 24 hours a week or volunteer 24 hours a week. So the rest of the time I'll be like spoke wheeling out of my parking location and visiting all the parts of Southeast United States that I've never had a chance to see. And definitely, if any Girl Scout person's out there, um, we'll be traveling to Savannah, Georgia to see the birthplace of Julia Gordon Lowe. How cool is that? Wow, you are really making the most of your time out there. Um, so you did mention that you feel safe out there on the road because you have your community um, that can help you out. I personally have a question because now living in Europe where everything feels quite a bit safer than the US, when I watch the news now, I get a bit scared over there. And even going back, I get you know a little bit nervous driving alone at night. I'm from Houston, which is a big city, a lot of mm -hmm. not safe areas of the city. Driving around at night as a female on my own, do you ever have, I don't know, do you ever feel uncomfortable or scared driving around by yourself out there or feel unsafe ever? Well, many of us have discussed this. I went to a WRTR, Women's Rubber Tramp Rendezvous, out in Arizona last January. And they're all women who live in their RVs. Most of us have learned to rely on intuition and sixth sense. So that if I pull into a place, understand I've stayed at Flying J and Pilot gas stations. I've stayed at state uh, roadside rest stops. I've stayed in Walmart parking lots, Cracker Barrels. There's a whole group called Harvest Host, which is a wonderful place, wonderful group to belong to because it's another place you can stay for free. Boondockers Welcome is literally people who, who love the life and have a home and are willing to let you park in their driveway. It's, it's really interesting when you start looking into it. But there's that intuition. If you pull into a spot and you look out your windows and you don't feel comfortable, do what you do well. Move on. These Class Bs, I don't, there are a lot of people who travel with tows where they, where they have two separate vehicles with a motorhome. I never have to get out if I don't want to. So if I pull into a place and I shut my motor down and I look around and I'm not comfortable, it's just a quick start up and go. And even in the middle of the night, once I've locked it down and blacked it out, if there's anything outside that rig, all I have to do is stand up, walk to the driver's seat, turn it on and leave. Mm -hmm. I always back it in so I'm ready for a fast leave. It, you just, when you, if you lurk long enough, if you, if you understand that this is what you want to do, and you spend time listening to what other people say and what experiences other people have had and learn from that, your comfort level grows. I feel sorry for people who just jump in and think they can do this without pre-thought. I don't mean pre-planning. I really didn't plan a lot. I gave Graham 30 seconds and bought that rig without any much thought ahead. But it's just becoming familiar with who you are and what you want to experience and what your personal limitations are. I wanted to drive something that I knew I could, could manage in any parking lot. I'm from Metro Detroit. <laughs> Come on. I grew up in parts of Detroit that, child, you would never want to go to. So having that urban sense, I think, helped me. If I had been born and raised in, you know, outside or in a different kind of environment, maybe I wouldn't have had that intrinsic fortitude. And, of course, being a public health professional, I know how to stand my ground. So I think that helps me personally, but I, I believe that it was meeting with, listening to, and hearing 
other women's situations that really provided me the stamina, the personal internal resource to know, you know, there may be a situation that comes up that I'm not happy I'm in, but I know how to get out of it. And I know how fast I can drive. Great advice. Thank you for sharing. And what about, I have a few questions about retirement for anyone who's getting close to that. What is one of the smartest things you did to prepare for your retirement? Well, I think it's based on what you can anticipate having in retirement. So I knew, A, I had no um, pension. Most local health departments or local governments dropped fixed pensions years ago. So I knew that I had to sock away even 10 years ago, long before I anticipated retirement, as much money as I could in order to be able to finance my life, period. The Affordable Care Act, I knew that was an availability about five years ago. The department I was at went to what's called an HSA, a health savings account. I took advantage of that and socked away as much money as I could in the HSA with their contrib- the, the department contributions also and built that fund up. So I knew that was my source of healthcare coverage. I also started really paying attention to my own health. Um, my family's died of multiple different illnesses, but heredity says I'm gonna have high blood pressure, yep. High blood sugar, yep. High cholesterol, yep. Take them all, put them together. And my risk factors are through the roof. And my siblings all died of some form of smoker's cancer, and we were all smokers. So I had to assess all of that. My heredity, my personal physical state, what was I going to do to improve that? Where was my savings going? How much did I have? A conscious decision, real conscious, and and there are a lot of people who look at me sideways. Not that I'm wealthy, please don't ever think that. But I've been able to save enough money that I feel I can exist until I physically can't do what I want to do anymore. And thank goodness I have a daughter who's more than willing to uh, let me come stay near her in the future. But I also know, and I've told my daughters, don't expect a dime when I die. This is for me and it's not for you. I've given you everything I've got for the last 35 years. I will do my best to help you. But children who think that they're gonna inherit when a parent dies, You know, if they're 50 and they think they need my money to make their life better, they screwed up a long time ago and my money isn't going to make their life any better. So I'm not consciously on a plan to spend my money. I'm not going to die and leave my children $100,000. I'm going to spend it all. Way to go. You are just doing you. You are living your best life, Mm -hmm. Peggy. Loving this. Uh, So then that leads me to my next question. What is your advice to women who want something more out of life, but don't even know where to start or how to do it? What would you tell them? Well, (laughs) I don't want to become a Zuckerberg fan or a Facebook fan, but it is a source for those of an older generation. The younger ones have gone on to other things. Try and decide what your your biggest passion is, you know, what is it in life? And I'm not saying this is my only passion. I mean, Girl Scouts have been a passion for years and I still do that. I've recently taken on um, new, I don't want to call them hobbies, but I guess they are. I've always known fiber, uh, the use of, of material, cloth material or fibers was something I was interested in. So now I've taken up weaving and spinning and that's become a whole new thing. Try doing that in a class, BRB. So you have to decide what your personal passion may be. 
And once you find that passion, join those groups, wherever they may be, whether they're a local Girl Scout Council, a local fiber guild, um, an online group of the same thinkers, an online group of people who want to refresh. Join those groups. You don't have to participate with every topic. You can scroll past anything you want to scroll past. But every once in a while, you're going to find something in there that touches your heart or your soul or where you want to be, and you'll learn from that. And as you gather that information, gather those resources, every one of those fills you up makes you stronger and you don't even realize it's happening. It's not like, oh yeah, I like what she said, so now I'm a better person for it. It's those things slowly but surely allow you to feel confidence in that this is what I want to do. I want to do fiber art. I want to travel all over the United States and just go to fiber festivals. <laughs> Literally, that's what I would love to be doing every day of the week is just traveling from one fiber festival to the other. But, you know, that's not necessarily realistic weather-wise. So I have to look at other resources. But I find it through Harvest Host and different things where I, I can fill that need. I don't know how to explain it. It's what worked for me. But I do think every person, woman or man, adult or child, has to find what their personal passion is. And then delve as deep into it as they want to be. Passions can change. There's no doubt. You could think something you've always wanted to do or regarded as the best thing in the world, where you wanted to be, and after you've really looked into it hard enough and observed others or even tried to you know, wet your own feet in it, maybe it wasn't for you, and it's time to look for another passion, whether it's animal rescue. I know people who drive around in their rigs rescuing animals. Uh, there's one woman out there, she loves to barbecue. She drives her rig around with a barbecue cooker in the back. So. She goes to competitions with barbecue. Every one of these people that I've met have different reasons for what they're doing, but every single one of them, I want to say it's because they were looking for their passion. Love it. Thank you. Oh, how beautiful is that? I feel like I'm getting all teary-eyed over here because I just love it when people take a hold of their life and really start mm -hmm. living the life they want to live. It, we're not saying it's easy, but definitely just give it a shot. If you have that urge to do something more, find something more, fulfill yourself in some way, find a way, like Peggy says, start searching what it is that makes you feel alive. As we get to the end here, I do want to ask, so I've been asking a lot of uh, the women on the podcast this question that, you know, while living, like when we hit refresh and we're living that dream life that we had been thinking about for so long, we just, you know, sometimes want to pinch ourselves because life can feel too good to be true. But not every day is amazing. There are days that are difficult where things don't go right, where sometimes we're wondering, what are we doing with our lives? Have you had any days like that? Um, and would you mind sharing maybe how you got through it or kind of what you were thinking and feeling? Too many to count. Um, hunkered down for 60 mile an hour winds in northern Arizona, not where I wanted to be. Wondered if the sand was going to sandblast the paint off the side of my rig. Currently, you know, my refrigerator is not working. So living in an RV with no refrigeration unit, <laughs> it's not fun, which is why I'm sort of glad I can camp out here in this apartment. So, I mean, you just, you just know, you know, and you, you evaluate and you figure it out and you, you, you look at all your options. 
Great. Okay. And last question here is I would love to hear how hitting refresh has changed you and what you've learned about yourself. I think how it's changed me. Well, I think it's between refresh. Retiring was my big refresh. Um, So committing to the retirement was probably the scary part. So once I made that commitment and I knew I was retiring, I was able then to let go of and release all the stress I felt from the profession I was in. Um, And that allowed me then to focus more on my internal health, how I can make myself more healthy and help fight off these, you know, these geriatric illnesses that I have to deal with. Um, And then that allowed me to feel more confident in who I was about my, about myself. I don't know how to explain it. I think I was, even though I was a strong person, my profession required me to be strong. I'm a trainer and, you know, there's lots of things I've done in my life as a professional. As much as that persona was out there, that's still that Jekyll and Hyde. Who I was at work and what I did at work really did not always carry off to my personal life. You know, I I was very um, insecure. And very unsure about who I was and what I wanted, even at the ripe old age of 62. But once I committed to the retirement and knew that my focus was on myself, and I don't mean that selfishly, but on my own needs, my own health needs, my own desires, I was able to become calmer. I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed, calmer. I don't rush to things anymore. I don't feel like I'm late for anything. I don't feel pressured to be somewhere I don't have to be. Um, I love my family and I'll be there for them as much as I can, but I'm giving it up. I'm giving up that feeling of, well, if I'm not there to fix it, if I'm not there to make sure it gets done, if I'm not there, it won't happen. And that's, that's hard to do as a, as a woman and as a mother and a grandmother. It's one of the hardest things to do is to know that, you know, life goes on. Whether you're there to make it perfect for someone or not, life goes on. And it's time to focus just on making yourself more perfect, making your life more perfect, and your life calmer. And hopefully by doing that, other people get some of that calmness, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wow, Peggy, thank you so much um, for your candid answers here. I loved hearing your insight and learning about your journey. For anyone who's interested in connecting with you, is there a way that they can reach you? Well, they can reach me through Facebook, PD French 19 or Peggy Poopor French is my Facebook location. Uh, my email, if they would like to, is PD French 19 at Yahoo. If there's any woman out there who just wants some verbal or some written communication as to, yes, you too can do what your heart desires and follow your passion, I'd be glad to support that. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll put that information in the show notes. And I'll also uh, get the links for the Facebook groups that Peggy's involved in that have helped her along her journey in her RV life. So I'll add those as well. Peggy, thank you so, so much for joining me here today and sharing your story with our community. All right. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and share this podcast with your friends. Feel free to join us in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash she hit refresh. And until next time, thank you so much. Thank you.